Welcome to the TAGT Podcast. Come along as we work to connect the GT community and explore new ways to meet the unique needs of gifted individuals. This is the TAGT Podcast. This podcast was recorded at the TAGT Annual Conference, GIFTED 21. Hello and welcome to the Texas Association for the Gifted and Talented podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fluche. A special thank you to our sponsor, Renzuli Learning. Check them out and get your free trial at renzulilearning.com. Today, we're chatting with Patrick Harris. Patrick Harris is an award-winning educator, podcaster, and activist bringing light to injustices in education and fighting to end them from the ground up. A Detroit native, Patrick is currently a humanities instructor at the Roper School for the Gifted. He was recently named a 2020 ASCD Emerging Leader and was honored on the International Literacy Association's 30 Under 30 list. Patrick is also the founder of Good Trouble Media, which houses his notable podcast, The Common Sense Podcast. Welcome. (laughs) It's so crazy, like weird to hear that read by someone. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Well, we're excited to be here uh, with you today and, and, and talking about you and what you do and so we got a few questions and all right we'll get it going okay as an award-winning educator poster and uh, podcaster and activist uh you seek to bring light to injustices in education and a fight yeah. to end them from the ground up when looking at gifted education where can all educators meet you to share in your work hmm they can meet me in the mirror i think that so much of what's happening in education right um Teachers, educators, administrators, you know, we're so action-focused, right? We need that new curriculum tomorrow, right? Like, we need to open schools tomorrow. Mm. We need to nominate, you know, these students for this gifted program tomorrow, right? Because everything is so high stakes. And I think in the midst of that, we lose the critical self-reflection that is crucial for our profession, and so you can meet me in the mirror <laughs> because I think it's crucial that we like take a hard look at ourselves, right? Um, and just like, you know, first acknowledge that we're human beings, right? Flawed human beings um, who have bias, right? And that just needs to be acknowledged. Um, and the more that we can self-reflect, the more that we can make more uh, or better informed decisions moving forward. So uh, I say that, you know, self-reflection is my biggest strength, my biggest superpower. Um, and so that would be my, my meeting place. Yeah. So self-reflection and encouraging others to do that. Do you have any tips that have worked for you as an educator, as you've kind of gone through that process? You know, I think mainly just slowing down has been the key for me, right? Like it's not a strategy as much as it is a mindset shift, right? I think, Falling into the narrative that I need to make these decisions quickly is a huge struggle um, for me, for me, right, and for many educators out there. And so, just like reminding myself to like really slow down really, mm-hmm. really, really helps. But then also, um, sort of, I have a list of people that I go through right when I'm trying to make a tough decision that requires uh, time, right. And so, I know if I'm at work, I'm gonna 
hit up, you know, the teacher who's next to me, probably going to get on Twitter and, you know, talk vaguely about an issue that I really, really need help with. Right. Um, And so, like, just like making sure that, you know, that you're not uh, alone in this work really, really matters. And that's a part of my self-reflection process. And then lastly, I would just say, like, when students are involved, you're getting that feedback from them. And it's our responsibility and, and our job to, like, really think on that, to do something better tomorrow. The best part about being an educator is that every single day is a new day right every mm. single day is a fresh start that's like that's a pretty cool gig i think you know and cuz not many folks get that opportunity right like every chance every day every quarter every semester every school year is like a new chance and a mm. new day but how we enter into that like really counts and that's where the self reflection piece comes into so whether you you know choose to do questions whether you choose to you know, hit up your homies, right, and, like, see what they think, right, whether you, like, talk directly to students or a combination of, right, I think it's just so crucial that we, like, take those mindset shifts and then figure out what works best for us. It's uh, critical to me to hear you say um, how powerful it is to have a brand new day. That message resonates with me as an educator, but I can just feel myself being a student in your classroom, and what Mm -hmm. a powerful message it is also for them. Yeah, like, my students, I love them. (laughs) They're so jealous that I'm here. That's okay. I think that, um, you know, especially when you're dealing with gift, you know, students in gifted programs, there's an an emotional intensity there that really can take a toll on not just that individual student, but their entire classroom Mm -hmm. uh, community, you as an educator yourself, right? And so... That emotional intensity is something that we have to take into consideration. And so I'm constantly uh, helping them to reframe <laughs> uh, some of their thinking. Um, I, I just was talking to a student um, the day before I left, so last Friday, and they're working on narratives right now, right? And, you know, being that we're post-pandemic, there's a lot more technology in the classroom than normal. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, so much of my job, I, f- I feel like over the last three years has been um, computer, like, technical help. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a student who, like, really wanted to get to his story. He really wanted to add that ending. He's like, Patrick, I, I need to, but he just, like, could not log in right (laughs) like he had locked himself out and so like just like talking to him and like reframing that and like you know you know letting him know that he has options like really really um it just like really really mattered for him but on another note right like there are students who are also just like really sort of overwhelmed by the large amount of injustices that are happening in our country that are so visible to them on a day-to-day basis And so they often challenge me and say, well, when will folks of color get their fresh start, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like when will folks who have been treated unfairly get their fresh start? When What does justice actually look like? And I don't think I necessarily have those answers for them, but I think that I I do empower them, right, to continue asking those questions. I'm still on a high from the Think Law uh, session that we just came from that, about uh, the, the power of asking questions and not always feeling pressure to answer them, but to, but to ask them. But I think any time that a student feels safe, right, like in a, in a classroom, in the school, sky really is the limit. There's something to what you said in terms of having students who are tackling the content topic. Yeah. But they're also dealing with the bigger, broader conversations going on in our country. Mm-hmm. And maybe and then also having needs like technology. There's right. all these things going on to where if you zoom in on that end product only, yep. you've missed so many opportunities. So that's that's challenging to hear. And, it, and so speak a little bit about that, being a humanities instructor at the Roper School for the oh, Gifted. So th- this is exciting. Yeah. So I was brought on to the team um, last year to help to build a humanities department. And so, you know, we are we are sort of traditional in the space that we have very strong um, departments, really strong English department, really strong social studies, et cetera, et cetera. But we knew, or the school knew, that they wanted to move into a more interdisciplinary um, model. Um, we know that that really, really works for gifted kids, right, who are, like, really, really passionate about certain topics or really or have really really strong talents in a particular area right like doing more interdisciplinary work does nothing but elevate them academically and socially um, and as just humans right and so what my team did we uh, the social studies department and the English department came together over the summer and we created an arc right so we said how do we really want this middle school experience to go And so in sixth grade, um, we sort of have students study self, right? Like, who are you? What do you believe? What are your ideals? Where do they come from, right? And then how are they different from your friends? How are they different from your parents, right? Um, So we just have students really take an inside look, you know, at themselves. Uh, The the Roper School has a really strong uh, social justice history uh, based on our founding. And so we kind of take that sixth grade year and then we kind of expanded and say, okay, now let's start to look at systems, right? In social studies and in English, right? And they kind of co-mingled together. And, you know, these are just national systems. So now that you kind of have an understanding of who you are or a working understanding, because, mm-hmm. you know, we're always changing it in, in their middle schoolers. But what does that mean for the country that we live in, right? Like what systems do you notice every day? What does fairness look like for you, right? And then eighth grade, they just expanded even more into global systems. And so we created um, sort of themes and questions and things of that nature that we align our curriculums to. So students are kind of answering the same grade level essential questions, but through uh, similar content. So it's just a really cool way to have uh, students not think of, you know, not having four different classes, but really like, you know, sort of the same class um, and just extending as the year kind of goes along. I'm wondering too, uh, hearing about the different kind of modalities in which you're doing that in, um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience as a student and, and, and how does that maybe connect with the work and, and kind of your uh, big idea of student voice and, and, and other things you tackle as an educator? Yeah. Well, you know, 
I feel like I had such a traditional, like, school, school year or middle school experience I'm thinking of, right? Like, I had English, I had math, I had science, I had social studies. I was in, you know, I was in an all-black school in a suburban town and... I remember us just doing doing business as usual, right? We had textbooks. Um, we had incredibly talented teachers who loved us and cared about us. But I don't necessarily remember being excited or feeling equipped <laughs> to, like, mm-hmm. tackle the world's biggest questions, right? And so when I went to college... And in the first two weeks, someone posted on the on a whiteboard, you know, on my uh, neighbor's door, no M words, please. I didn't have the 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 experience from school or the historical context, right, to like really be able to wrestle with that, right? I just knew it was racist, and I knew that I was hurt, and I knew that I wanted to go home, right? Um, and, but I knew that I wanted to talk about those things, but curriculum got in the way, tradition got in the way, test scores got in the way. Y- you know, there are so many things that we put before the needs of students. And so now that I get the opportunity to teach um, my students now, right, like I want to follow their lead in tackling these like really complex issues that adults are afraid of, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like my students want to talk about right? Like everything that we see in the news, right? Like they want to ask those complex questions. They want to debate one another and I'm not afraid, right? And Mm -hmm. so we kind of walk into this work fearlessly. um, And I think that's the biggest difference between my experience and the experience that I create for my students. Wow. Um, So, so let's dig deep a little bit with, with some of the students that you're working with. Yeah. Um, can you can you walk us through maybe some of the journeys that you've seen firsthand with students who have responded, um, and, and maybe as an encouragement to other teachers who are hoping to do similar things? Maybe they've got a humanities class or want to tackle a uh, an, an English class in a similar way. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, what students have gone through and, and maybe some encouragement there. Yeah, so I teach at the Roper School for the Gifted. It's a you know for uh, or a tuition-based independent school, right? And so there, you know, unless a student is on a full scholarship, though uh, 50% of them do receive some sort of scholarship, right? There's some sort of, like, economic uh, privilege there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, more so, I am the only black man in the building, right? Um, I am one of two black teachers in the building. Um, my students... I would say 60-40 in in terms of 60% white, 40% uh, students of color, right? And so I think I was really, really nervous walking into the Roper School because this was the first time that I had sort of taught in a diverse environment um, or a predominantly white environment. I usually have taught in um, all black schools. And so I was just like, I'm not really sure <laughs> how I'm going to do this, right? Um, but the work really is not that different. I think the key piece, if 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 you want to talk about these complex issues, is you know you gotta students have to know that that this is a safe space to to do it. As adults, we don't do a really good job of 
modeling safety when talking about disagreements, right? Look at the entire, you know, election cycle from 2020 or 2016 or like the last 100 years, 150 years, right? Like as adults, we don't do a good job of modeling. Um, And so I got to make sure that my students not only um, have a relationship with each other, but they have a, a relationship with me as well, right? Like, it's, it's not my classroom. It's not even their classroom. It's our classroom. It's something that we are building to, together. And so that safe space is, like, really, really important. Um, and then also, like, I have done my, my, my work, right? I've done my reading so that I know sort of what should I be expecting students to answer? What are the common misconceptions? Um, and then the, the, the biggest thing that has helped me is I don't ask students questions that I know the answers to. Wow. I don't ask students questions that I know the answers to because if I did that, right, I kind of guess what, what's the purpose? I might as well just tell them, right? Um, and so they know that we're doing this work together at the same time on the same pace, right? Like we're learning from one another. And so we take this curiosity bug that we all have and we just kind of explode it and see what we can come up with. And then there's some sort of, there's some sort of action involved. So it's really just about taking what we think are traditional or, you know, rules in the classroom, teachers up here and students are, you know, in the back and there should be rows and, you know, like throw that out the window, right? Like <laughs> we have gone through a pandemic. If that's not, that has not been the inspiration that you need to like take everything that we thought was normal and twist it around and throw it in the trash, then like, I don't know what to tell you. But, <laughs> but I think ultimately, right, like students need ownership, Right. And and they want to tackle these issues. So let's ask big questions and let's figure out what we can find out together. I know I always have a direction on where I want to go with them, um, but I don't I don't have it completely mapped out. And I'm sure there are teachers out there who (laughs) used to be like me, who plan out everything. And then you go in and and especially in a gifted classroom where that where the intensity is high, it goes in a completely different direction. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute. I thought we were going left and we're going <laughs> diagonal. So, um, yeah, just just really trusting them, right, um, and and moving forward with them, not for them, you know, but with them. And what a what a great point of, um, you know, not having the answers, and I'd imagine it'd be hard to to have a delivery of of, of class like that without having what you've talked about the it's the chaotic. relationship, <laughs> right? But you've built yeah. the relationships. They, yeah. I, I feel like you're, what you're talking about, they trust you to um, to help them get the answer because mm-hmm. I'd imagine if you just gave them the answer uh, when they when they leave the great uh, Mr. Harris's room, uh, it's going to be more difficult for them. Absolutely, absolutely, and they know, right? Like he may not. We, you know, we may not ever find out how to reverse climate change, right? But Patrick's going to help me log into a computer, and that really, really matters, right? right. Like, right. right, like, 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 we may get this far talking about criminal justice, which is what my students are are learning right now. But at the end of the day, right, like they know that we're in this work together, and so, yeah, just the the relationship piece really, really, really matters. The, you know, the kids, you know. I'm 20 minutes outside of Detroit, and 
they're just like, yeah, I've never been to Texas, but like, I'm so excited that you're going. Like, you know, have a great time. And I'm like, yes, you know, like, like, you know, like the the community that we built with each other is just, uh, I love them. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we start to wrap up here, just a quick question here. Um, yeah. Fill in the blank. Uh oh. Okay. The best way to foster a student's potential is. The best way to foster students' potential is to know yourself. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Because when I'll just start, start quick, quick, quickly to say, like when educators know themselves, right, then we sort of like can walk in with authority and and confidence, um, and 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 we can do the work alongside students, right? It's not necessarily telling them what they need to do because we already know what our work is, right? So it's just knowing ourselves and then giving them room and space to grow. Uh, Patrick Harris, this has been great. How can our listeners find more information about you? Oh, you can follow me on all the things at President Pat, though I'm not the president of anything yet, but at President Pat is fine. And you can listen to uh, Real Teacher Stories um, on the Common Sense Podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again to our guest today, Patrick Harris. We're so glad you could join us. If you're interested in learning more about today's guest and their work, check out the links included with the podcast post. And if you're not yet a member of the Texas Association for the Gifted and Talented, we hope you'll join us uh, in our community by visiting txgifted.org and clicking on the Join tab. Come alongside TAGT all week long as we celebrate GT Awareness Week, April 4th through 8th, 2022. GT Awareness Week was created to increase awareness and encourage support of gifted education in Texas. Through online community discussions and social media posts, parents, educators, and advocates come together to celebrate giftedness. All throughout the week, TAGT will push out information, create conversations, and provide a deeper understanding of the purpose of gifted education. Tag and follow us at Texas Gifted on Facebook and TX Gifted on Twitter and Instagram to show how you're celebrating your GT community April 4th through 8th. Visit txgifted.org slash GT Awareness Week for more information. Hello and welcome to the Texas Association for the Gifted and Talented podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fluche. A special thank you to our sponsor, Renzuli Learning. Check them out and get your free trial at RenzuliLearning.com. Today we're chatting with S.C. Says, an Austin-based slam poet who has per- uh, been performing slam poetry since 2014. He's toured and featured at venues and universities across the country, and his work has been featured in the Huffington Post, The Edge Radio, The Culture Trip, and Blavity. His poetry covers a gamut of topics ranging from being mixed race to genuine authenticity to mental health awareness to never settling in relationships and more. Slam poetry is an art form he loves due to its raw vulnerability and its ability to cultivate transparency and dialogues into many different walks of life. Glad to have you, Essie. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You are a two-time Austin Poetry Slam champion, a three-time Texas Grand Slam finalist, and we're a member of the 2015 National Championship team. Clearly, you have a talent uh, that you've been able to take and impact who you are. What is your message to others who have potential or talents who hope to realize what they can do in their own life? 
Oh, good question. Um, I have hugely benefited from parents who kind of allowed me to be weird. Uh, <laughs> my mom has been a huge uh, supporter of like all things art. And so when I kind of found out at an early age that I love storytelling and theater, uh, she really let me kind of like lean into that. And so I think for, for my individual style of like writing and poetry and storytelling, it was so pivotal for me to kind of understand that there's a ton of different ways to do it. Right. Uh, I lead a lot of slam poetry writing workshops and I always like to set the expectation that like I we're going to spend a little bit of time together, like 45 ish minutes to an hour. I may give you a ton of things that work really well for me that do not work for you at all. Great. Take anything that does work for you. Leave the rest. Um, I, there are so many different ways that you can kind of tell your story. And I think the best way is just whatever way makes you feel like you're being the most authentic version of yourself and allows people a lens into who you really are. And maybe they can understand themselves better, too. And again, I feel like that message just really resonates with educators. Why, why do you think <laughs> educators have really been connecting to that idea? Because uh, they're the thick of it. You know, they, they, uh, they get to watch these, these students um, wrestle with, with a lot of just life in general. And uh, I think there's, I mean, anybody would probably take that teachers are so underappreciated and undervalued. And, and I... I think a big reason that um, this message particularly resonates is because like empathy is so core to our existence as human beings and to feeling understood. And just as educators, I think so often the struggle of that, the the frustrations, the overworking, the the lack of resources, that's not like understood enough. And so to have somebody say, you know, like, well, we needed to practice more empathy. Uh, I think that just really gives gives someone a, a, an anchor to hold on to because there's just a lot of like kind of neglect right now for this industry. Right. So just in general, if you're a teacher and you're listening, it's like, man, empathy does strike me and, and moving into that space. Are there some tips and tricks uh, <laughs> that they could uh, maybe get started with? I always lead with story. I, I'm a huge proponent for storytelling and finding ways that you can be authentic, you know, within the confines of the integrity of the classroom. But, you know, the the teachers that had the biggest impact on me were the ones who were just the most human in class that allowed us the, the chance to disagree, allowed us the chance to come to a conclusion on our own. And when we presented, you know, like any kind of home troubles or just like mental health troubles, they, they showed us empathy, they cared. And so, um, yeah, that's, it's just kind of more of a gratitude than anything. So tell me a little bit about your story, uh, kind of whether it's uh, maybe educationally focused from a student to where you are today, but tell us a little bit more about your background. So uh, I was a theater kid in high school, um, pursued college, acting in college uh, at the University of Southern California in LA, hated LA, uh, and decided to finally move back to Texas where my family was. But I didn't want to be too close, you know. Um, I needed I needed a little bit of space, so I moved to Austin. There was a huge art scene, a, a huge film scene, and I moved there to pursue acting, film acting. And I was actually doing um, some commercial acting in Austin. And if you are ever having a bad day, uh, I highly invite you to go to my website, sesayspoetry.com, scroll down the videos, and find the Chuck E. Cheese dance. Um, just do it. Just trust me. Just do it. Uh, it'll liven your day. I promise you. Um, so I, I loved theater. I loved telling other stories, other, uh, other people's stories, but, um, a good friend of mine invited me to a poetry slam one day and I kind of like had an idea of what it was. I'd seen it a couple of times. Um, but there was just something so special about the Austin poetry slam. 
uh, and people's willingness to talk about some of the heaviest aspects of their lives, you know, their divorce, their depression, um, their getting fired, you know, like all these things that we don't necessarily talk about in our day-to-day conversations. And these people were sharing it in a room full of strangers, like 200 strangers talking about the realest aspects of themselves. And it was just so inspiring. And one day I kind of just sat down and was just like, I think I want to start to tell my story. I've gotten really good at telling other people's stories, but I'm wondering what it sounds like to kind of share some of my own experiences. Um, and it was terrible. Uh, my first poems were absolute garbage. I'm really, really glad that I, uh, most of those don't exist on video anywhere. Um, but it's, a, it's I'm very competitive, and slam poetry is usually very a, a big competition. And so that competition kind of forced me to continue like honing in on the, the humanity that I was trying to communicate, the emotion that I really wanted to get across. And now I've got it to a place where I think I have a pretty good idea of what my voice is, my, my story is, and how I can use that to help other people, people feel seen. Um, I think for me, fundamentally, that is a huge driving factor. If I can just help someone feel like their struggle is not singular, um, I've done my job. I've, I've helped in some way. You're an award-winning slam poetrist. Is that a poetry? Slam poet. Slam poet. I could have just stopped with poet and, and I added words to I like, it. I kind of like slam poetrist, though. Um, what do you think it is about that art form in particular, maybe that connects so well with you to allow you to be vulnerable and move into sharing your story in that way? Yeah, good question. Um, I think slam poetry is really just glorified storytelling. Uh, there are all these kind of like parameters and stuff. And like if you are competing, there are these rules you have to follow. But basically, you're just getting on stage and you're sharing uh, usually less than three minutes of your story, your perspective, um, your pain points, your frustrations, your hopes, your emotions. And I think we're so hungry for this that slam poetry is really taking off because um, it's a space where you can get to watch people be real. And then maybe if you are inspired enough, you have the courage to finally be real with others. And one of the greatest things that's, that's ever happened to me is to get on stage, talk about something as heavy as depression, and have uh, a Q&A right after, right after the show, and a 14-year-old girl, I think she was 14, she was clearly in middle school, um, no one else is asking questions, uh, q and is going to be very awkward, but she stands up in front of her whole student body, middle school and high school, and asks me, hey, you talked about depression in your show. How did you survive? And that I, that I feel so much like pain for her struggle, but also pride that I, that I could share something real about my story and inspire someone else to like actually maybe ask for help or get, get a different perspective that she maybe wouldn't have asked for another way. And I think when, when I think of the power of slam poetry, it's those moments. It's where we get to see where our stories connect and how that can actually help us better our worlds, bridge our divide. Absolutely. So there's, there's a lot of pathways for people to enter in, share their story, get vulnerable, and allow other people to make connections within that. And it appears there's a critical thinking component, too, <laughs> of some limitations of like, hey, how do I get my story across in this forum? So I'd yeah. imagine that's a fun challenge as well. It is. There's, there's a bajillion different ways you can tell a slam poem. Um, you can rhyme. You can not rhyme. Uh, there's a guy in Austin. His name, is, his name is Tim. Older guy. And all he does is tell stories. Uh, and then sometimes he'll like sing. <laughs> and it's just, it's this beautiful thing because we all love Tim. We know Tim intimately because he just gets on stage and he tells us these stories about his life and his perspective. And it's powerful. And like, so that's a way that you can do it. You can get on stage and you could rap your story. That's a way that you could do it. There are all these different ways and you just kind of have to find the one that works best for how you want to tell your story. So if a teacher wants to move into that space, maybe don't get wrapped up in, man, I need to 
nail this art form of slam poetry, but more so unlock a student's ability to share their story. Exactly. That's that's fundamentally all it is, is, is giving students uh, maybe a bunch of different tools, kind of showing maybe a couple of different styles of poetry. Uh, and then also, I think it helps a lot to admit that like this is tough. It is hard to share your story, to have the courage to do that. And so I think if the teacher can acknowledge that as well, it just kind of eases some of the pressure on the students to feel like they have to be vulnerable before everybody else is vulnerable, that kind of thing. And I'm sure teachers, once they start to have that moment that you described earlier where a student feels comfortable sharing, I'm sure that will unlock future uh, possibilities with that as well. Oh, it's beautiful. It's powerful. It's kind of what allows us to move forward and grow. So your story has been so inspirational uh, to so many, but, but who's inspired you? Who's been a part of your life that has maybe been a, a part of your journey to get you here today? Ooh, um, got to shout out the little sister. Um, she is just powerful. She's so smart, gorgeous, unfairly attractive. Um, <laughs> she's like who I want to be when I grow up. You know, she's she's um, an amazing human being that I'm I'm really proud of. And um, you know that com- I'm very competitive, as I mentioned. Uh, the competition that we have as siblings kind of I think allows us to drive each other to be better. And so I'm really grateful to her for that. Um, another person is, uh, I've actually, I don't, I don't think I've ever said this, but, uh, in high school I was, I was dating someone and I was going to meet her parents kind of like after six months after meeting. And, um, I was like pretty excited. I, I was like, uh, top of the class, you know, all these extracurricular, I could not see this conversation going anywhere, but positively. And I will never forget this. I went to take her dad's hand and he just looked at it then look back at me, and the first words that this man ever said to me were, I don't want you dating my daughter. And he, like, tried to blame it on, like, other people's racism and stuff, but, like, it, it's, like, pretty apparent when it happens in your face. But I, I bring him up because um, years later, he called me, and I knew it was him, so I didn't answer. Uh, <laughs> and he left me this voicemail apologizing for that, saying that he would have been proud to have me as a member of his family, um, that he was very close-minded. He was a part of a close-minded family growing up, and he now understands that that's, like, that's really wrong. And I, that is one of the most powerful phone calls I've ever <laughs> not taken, not had. Um, <laughs> but it, it reminded me that there, there is a capacity to change if people are willing to. And so I'm inspired by, by people like him who are willing to admit their mistakes and actually hopefully help us to kind of move forward. And how powerful is it, too, to hear his story through your lens a little bit to where other people I feel I could probably enter into that and, and learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. So, you know, obviously this is T-H-E-T. We're here talking about uh, students with potential gifted education more broadly. You know, what, what is that like uh, from your lens when you, when you're walking the halls here and seeing these different presentations, what strikes you about uh, maybe gifted education more broadly? The camaraderie. There is an energy here that um, I've gone to a lot of different conferences and, and education conferences, and there's just something different about this. It's it's uh, maybe it's the pandemic, and it's it's like a homecoming, finally getting to meet in person and and have these these conversations in person that you've been having over the screen for however long. Um, but there is also a an eagerness for learning that there's not this one way one size fits all here, that there's different strategies, different tracks you can take, uh, that everybody's here kind of just to better themselves. And I love that. I think that's really beautiful. Uh, I just led a, a, an empathy deep dive workshop 
And um, it was it was like I feel like I am leaving this conference with so, like so full of joy and love because of the stories that they were willing to share with each other here. And I just like I usually have to work a lot harder to get people to share here. Uh, I, I like I just I gave you a question and people just leaned in and started sharing some like really honest, vulnerable aspects of their story. And it's beautiful. Um, it, I get to leave here today feeling inspired, even though I came here hopefully to inspire others. Yeah. So what, why do you think that is? And, and obviously there's some aspects of this, this conference, but is there a, maybe a big desire within, whether it's students or educators, to share their story? Is that something that maybe we're missing and need to move into more? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's missing. Um, I definitely have heard some really powerful stories since I've been here. And, you know, like I'm definitely a stranger to almost everybody here. Um, so I definitely think that there's a willingness to share stories um, I wouldn't. I would say that this community cares, and um, there's something I think special about being a gifted and talented educator, where um, you have not only the everyday challenges of being just a teacher in general, but to like have these students that that kind of need to learn differently, to, to see the problem differently, and then you are, are as their instructor have the added challenge of like making sure that everybody's kind of on the same page, but the students that need the extra attention are getting it. Um, and so because of that baseline, I think when you come to an event like this, there's just an understanding. Um, there's a, there's like this energy, this connectedness with, between everybody else that we all understand the struggle and we're all just here to make sure that the, the students in our care, they get the best education they possibly can. Yeah, you're, you're, again, your story is so inspirational. I think it's really captured many people who are here, uh, as someone who has a, a great deal of talent you know, and talking to educators, working with students to, to um, build upon all kids' potential in different ways. Uh, l- let me ask you this question. Fill in the blank. What's the best way to foster the, uh, students' potential? Mm. It's between two words for me right now. It's either authenticity or vulnerability. Mm. Um, my education, I was very lucky to have some pretty amazing, incredible teachers and just the moments that I remember are not the facts they're not the books that we had to read or the projects we had to do it was the moments where we learned like a little tidbit about our teachers life like what they were like outside of these walls and it gave us this like human lens to view them with and for me personally that was what was more motivating than than anything than the grade than being told that I, I I had the potential to succeed it was just feeling like they trusted us enough to be kind of real with us and that for me was the motivation I needed to work harder. Because if I knew that you were a human being, I knew that you cared, I knew that you had the capacity for empathy and you weren't just this authority figure, I was much more willing to lean into the work. Absolutely, absolutely. How can people find out more about you and the great work that you do? Um, you can check out my website, uh, sczpoetry.com. You can also reach me on Instagram at sczpoetry uh, or shoot me an email, uh, sczpoetry at gmail.com. Thanks again to our guest today, SC Says. We're so glad you could join us. If you're interested in learning more about today's guest and their work, check out the links included with this podcast post. And if you're not yet a member of the Texas Association of Gifted and Talented, we hope you'll join our community by visiting txgifted.org and clicking on the Join tab. Renzuli Learning is proud to support the Texas Association for the Gifted, their podcast and gifted education nationwide. Be sure to visit our website at RenzuliLearning.com and sign up for your free trial to experience firsthand how we deliver a rigorous, personalized learning environment for all students, pre-K through 12, and how we align our resources to the TEKS 
and provides student-driven project-based learning that unpacks the natural passions and abilities in all children.